following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. All right. Well, uh, Keith's right. I did have, I worked for a long time on a sermon. And Thursday night I was down here all by myself. I was praying and talking and God said, nope, that's not what you're going to do. So I had to start all over, and, but it was really good. It was, it, it's, it, was, uh, it was a good experience to do the first one, and then this one was kind of a whirlwind. So, but, um, you know, when, when God asks you to do something, you have to do it. And a friend of mine before he passed away, George Smith, some of you guys know him, he always used to teach me. He was kind of like my Yoda at times. <laughs> and he used to say, Craig, be obedient to the vision. Always be obedient to the vision. No matter what you think the outcome's going to be, no matter what you, no matter how it looks, if God asks you to do something, just just do it. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, so uh, so we'll start out in prayer and just uh, ask God to lead us through this morning. Father, thank you so much that we could uh, come together and, and worship you and hopefully learn about you. And Lord, we ask you to uh, to anoint this place with your Holy Spirit now, so that our minds can hear and our hearts can can receive what it is that uh, you want us to learn this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So uh, last week, Heath was talking during the sermon. Heath was talking about the idea of no one has an excuse not to serve. No matter who we are, no matter what we come from, it, it doesn't matter. God's asking all of us to serve in the church. And while I was praying, that's what kept coming up. So um, we're going to talk about that a little bit this week. Um, this is a topic that we all struggle with. Um, and the devil in our own flesh constantly try to keep us ineffective or afraid to serve by making us forget who we are and who the one is that empowers us to do it. Um, you know, as I was writing this, I was kind of thinking, you know, as a church, we're pretty good at this already in some ways. But God asked that we speak about it this morning, so we're going to do that. Um, um, so I'm going to set the tone by reading First uh, Peter 2, 4 through 9. Um, all right. I mean 9 through 14 or 9 through 12 I'm sorry um, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the, dar- the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, we'll stop right there. Um, And and as you're reading it, God does not say you will be, you will be, or some of you will be priests. He says you are a priest, and, and he says you are a priest. And he uses this phrase means that you are already giving what you need. He doesn't say we will be, some of us will be. He says we are. 
we are a holy nation. We are a royal priest. We are a royal priesthood. Um, so it's not anything we're going to do. It's something God has already done in us. We just have to receive that and work through it. Um, we've we've received scripture describing God's character, old in in the Old and New Testament. It, they both speak of who who we are to who we're supposed to emulate, and in the scriptures are stories of people just like us, who God asked who God asked to do things that they thought they were either unworthy for or disqualified for. They were all afraid of God or the people they were serving due to the various sins and shortcomings that they all had, um, just like us. But and there's always a but with God. He cleansed and qualified those people himself. They didn't earn the right to serve God, um, and, God gift, and God gifted them with the right to serve. So, um, Romans 8.28. I mean, 8.30. Um, give me a second to get there if you want. Sorry, I don't have anything on the, on the, up on the screen, but I didn't have time to do that. Um, Okay, so Romans 8.30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay. The word glorified uh, is in the past tense, which means the work is already done. So don't ever let anyone, especially the devil, tell you serving God and others isn't an option because of who you are because of who you are and because because Jesus says otherwise right here. Glorified is past tense. We are glorified in God's eyes. We're all qualified to do what we need to do. Okay, so let's look at some of the people God called to serve. Um, and these are people that started out just like you and I, some of them um, from all, from all different uh, walks of life. And the first person we're going to look at is Moses. So we're going to go to Exodus 4, 10 through 17. Okay. Right. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since I have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord descended to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with you. I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth. And with, the, with his mouth, you will teach both. I will teach both, you, both of you what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hands this staff which, in which, with which I shall do signs. So, 
There's one of the biggest things we all talk about when we, want to, when we talk about serving God. I'm not well-spoken. I'm not well-spoken, as you can see. But sometimes God asks us to do it. And remember, you know, the Holy Spirit's there. He's working. So when you when you're, have to go in front of a group or you're talking to one person, let God speak through you. Remember the scriptures. Remember the things that God has taught you. And, and let the Holy Spirit speak. And remember that that other person is hearing what they need to hear. If, you don't have to worry about speaking for God. <laughs> We're never going to be able to do that. But just be obedient to it. And, and speak, and that person will hear exactly what God wants them to hear. Um, God will always give you a way to communicate. Um, here it's through others. Sometimes and that happens, you know. Um, written. Sometimes it's nice to write a letter. If you don't know how else to, to communicate, some of us are great writers. Write letters. Write to people. Um, that's what God did to us. He gave us a nice long letter to, to learn from. Um, and remember that, like I said, the Holy Spirit's gonna is going to communicate for you. Um, let's turn... To uh, Isaiah now. 6, 1 through 6. We're going to read that. I'm going to read that. And this is about when Isaiah had a vision from the Lord and he was asked to, to serve. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he, he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And the one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the, the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So God cleansed him, and he did not earn it or do anything special. He didn't have God chose him and then God did the work to make him able to serve him. Um, So if you think you're too unclean, sinful, unworthy, you're not. It's just, that's an, just another one of our excuses. I can't, I can't minister to people because I have a filthy mouth, or I have, um, I've sinned in a way that just disqualifies me from everything. If you continue doing it all the time, purposely, yes, that will disqualify you. Um, but if you struggle with these things, or if it's something from your past. That's just Satan whispering in your ear, trying to keep you from working. 
He's, he, anything to, He can do. Because you're cleansed. You're cleansed. Right here. Um, the, right here, the coals, they represent... They're, they're a representation of Jesus, basically, here. The burning coal. Being, he, all he had to do was touch his lips, and his whole body was clean. So we have to remember that when we're serving. Don't let, don't let that hold you back. Um, I know it does me sometimes. That's a hard thing to deal with when somebody has, is struggling with a problem, and you have the same problem, and you have to try to help them with that. It's very convicting. Um, but it's good for both of you. So... Don't let it hold you back. Um, the next person we want to talk about is Amos. I don't know if anybody knows anything about Amos. I know John knows about Amos. <laughs> um, he was a vine dresser and a shepherd. Um, he was nothing special. He was poor, probably very, un- probably fairly uneducated. Um, Vine dressers and shepherds were basically the lowest of the low in the Hebrew hierarchy, or in the Middle Eastern hierarchy, I should say. Um, they were just hired hands. No one really looked at them as being um, looked at them as being anything special. Um, so, I'm going to read a little bit about him here. Just uh, so Amos 7:12 through 16. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and is the temple of the kingdom. Then, then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and the Lord said to me go prophesy to me to my pe- to the people of Israel now therefore hear the word of the Lord so this is a vine dresser standing before some of the most powerful people in the country and he he stands there and he just says now hear the Lord how many of us would stand in front of the most powerful person in this country and prophesy against them Really? I mean, think about it. Would you do it or would you kind of sit there? If God's telling you, go, go talk to him. Go, go in front of the president and tell him that he's going to destroy the country if he doesn't turn things around himself, in his own heart. Um, I don't know how many people would. It'd be, it's, <laughs> that's a hard thing to do even to your friends, even to people you know. How many of us you know, have something that we know we should tell our friends, but we don't because we don't think they want to hear it? Are they going to be angry with us? Um, that's probably even harder than, than um, somebody, like somebody in power. But uh, Amos stood up to the most powerful people in his country in the name of God and he was nothing but a shepherd and a vine dresser. Um, he had every re- reason to be very afraid but he feared God more. He feared God more and I'm hoping that we all get to that point. I want to get to that point. Um, there's a lot of things that we we all hold back, especially myself, that uh, could be blessings, but we're afraid to 
Sometimes we're afraid to speak because of what people are going to think. Um, but never let the idea that you haven't got a college education or you haven't been trained in seminary or things like that hold you back from ministering. Um, it's very important to, to make sure that you understand that the Holy Spirit is, is your training. The Bible is your training. Minister, and the only way to get better at it is to do it. Um, do it more and more and be... And be obedient to the vision. If God asks you to do something, try it. That's all you can do. And God will do the rest. Um, next person I'd like to talk about is Paul. Talk about somebody that God turned around. Um, so we're going to go to Acts 9, 1 through 19. The conversion of Saul. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, which if anybody doesn't know already, you probably do, but that means Christians, that's what they were called then, followers of the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and, though his eye, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas... Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you in the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales from, fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So, Paul, the murderer, basically, he didn't 
he, he may not have directly killed anyone, but he was there watching, and he was condoning it, saying it was good, hauling people back in chains. I don't know if you've ever had to haul anything heavy before, but if you're in chains in the desert, not fun probably. Um, and that's how they brought you back. Um, so Paul was not, he was doing it, he thought, for God, but he was not a, a, a nice guy at this point. Um, so our pasts do not define who we are in God. If the devil reminds you of your past, when we are ministering, I, I wrote here, read, read to him Revelation 20 and 21, and I guarantee you that old snake will leave you alone for a little while. Um, it's good. Satan can't stand to hear the truth of the, of, the, of the scriptures. So when you're getting attacked like that, which we all do, you did this, you did that, things flash back into your mind from the past at really inopportune times, um, just remember that. You can do that. You can remind him of, your, of his past. And think of these people. Think of, think of Paul. God used him in such a powerful way. I mean, half the New Testament is written by Paul. They, he wrote these letters to, to, that just, we live our lives by these letters. Um, and he was, still, said Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Um, God saved him in a major way. God took him, changed his heart, changed his mind. No, I mean, did, do you think do you think Paul changed his own mind? Do you think Paul saw the light and the vision and said, "Oh, okay, all right, Lord, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna follow you now." It, it was a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changed him. Jesus changed him. And then we have to remember, we're all changed that way. It doesn't matter if our flesh tells us otherwise. We have to remember and remind ourselves we are different now. We're different than what we used to be. And, we're, and for that reason, we are able to serve. Um, one thing I didn't, I didn't think of before when I was reading this is uh, Ananias himself in this scripture. He was obedient to the vision. He could have he easily been thrown into jail or killed for what he was about to do. But he feared the Lord more than he feared man. And um, he stayed obedient to the vision, and look what happened. Paul. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, okay, so where are we on the list? Where are we on those list of people? We all have some different things that we struggle with that keep us from serving God. I don't know about you, but I, I fall into all of them at different times. Um, and sometimes all at the same time, too. Um, but God works through all those different problems that we have, all those different things from our past. So don't be afraid or ashamed to serve. If you've done anything in the past and you've repented and you've, you've asked God to heal you, don't be ashamed to serve. There's grace and mercy for those who serve in Jesus' name. And I have a little side hope, note here that says, in, Jesus, in his name means um, to act in his ways, to act in his teachings. Um, so I want to read... Uh, Luke 19, 11 through 27. If I can find it here. I had it marked. There it is. 
So the only mistake you can make while ministering is not to minister, not to act. You can't make a mistake if you're working in God's name. Um, if you're working out of yourself, sure. If you're doing it for selfish motives, sure. But if you're working in God's name, don't be afraid to make a mistake. It, you can't. God will cover it. Um, so I'm going to read the parable of the Ted Minus. Um, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near, he was near to Jerusalem, and because they, suppo- they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and then returned. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him, saying, we do, don't, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know that what, they had been, what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your, minas, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, you are, you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did... you." You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the miner from him and give it to the one who has ten. And then he said to him, Lord, Lord, he has ten minus. I, t- I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has, what he has will be taken from him. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. So, the idea in this one is, we've all been given our minus. Now, God, and we're not going to, I mean, this is a parable. So, God is, is uh, Jesus here is, is proving a dramatic point. Um, but basically what he's saying is, if you don't use what you're given, it's, it's almost an insult to God. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities, talents. He's given you everything you need. He just wants you to use it. He doesn't want you to bury it. He doesn't want you to, to, to um, sit on it. He doesn't want you to be afraid to use it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something we need to all work on. We need to work on the idea that these things are gifts. They're not burdens. They're not... It, it's not a burden to serve the Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a gift. Um, the only way to feel, fail in ministry, no matter what the outcome is, is not to act. So, 
Um, we need to, to take that seriously. So please, please serve, please minister, and we need everybody to work. All the gifts, all the talents. Ministry is, is a gift, not a burden. Serving others in the name of God, of the universe, is, it's really an incredible honor when we contemplate who we are and who He is. The God who created everything uses fallen, broken people to do His ministry. Every one of us. He takes us. He puts us back together. He, he forgives us. He heals us. And then He says, go and tell somebody else about me. Me. Craig. I'm supposed to go tell people about who God, who created everything to the very edge of the universe. <laughs> I'm supposed to teach them who God is. Um, what an honor. What an incredible honor. Think about it. it. It's it's amazing that we're that we're filled with the Holy Spirit that allows us to understand understand our Lord when he's so deep, so powerful, so un, he's unfathomable. But yet we have an understanding of him as children, as a father. As, um, as the Creator, and we're given the honor to tell the rest of the world about Him. And you have to use your mouth to do that. <laughs> you have to speak, communicate, write, whatever it is. But it has to be, it has to be given, um, because the truth is, is we can all sit and we can read our Bible all we want, but if no one else hears what's in here, I, it's good for you. But we're not, we're not fulfilling what God asks us to do. We're, we're being disobedient servants and we're not and we're burying our treasure. Um, so. um. Okay. so Jesus loves Jesus loves us more than you, we could ever know and the Holy Spirit will be with you every step of the way. You're not alone. You're not working on your own. When you think you're making a mistake, it's okay. I, I witnessed to a guy for two years. This was a person who was uh, basically he considered himself to be a Viking and he worshipped Norse gods, for real. And we talked for two years and I made every mistake you can think of. <laughs> everything. I argued with him. I tried to disprove everything. I tried to talk about science. And one day I finally said, Lord, he's yours. I can't, I don't know what else to do. I can't do anymore. And you hear what I'm saying, right? I, I, I. Well, that night, he had an incredible dream. And the next day, he came to the Lord. And it was because I released. I said, it's you, God. It's not me. So even in the midst of making all those mistakes, God taught me. He brought him to the Lord. Um, so... I will say that it was a lot of mistakes, but I was working and I was moving. Um, so what I'm saying is, is even when you're witnessing to someone for two years, you're witnessing to the, um, a man who just looks at you and says, I, I don't really care. I don't want to hear it. You're a jerk. I don't, want, I don't want to talk to you. He heard it. It's in him now. The seed is there. And it's up to God to water that seed and make it grow.
So don't be discouraged if, if you're witnessing and you're talking to people and God says, I want you to go talk to the meanest guy in town and he's probably not going to listen to you. All right? You don't think he's listening to you. I'm sorry, Atticus. I'm trying. <laughs> but the idea behind it is, is God's going to work through it. God is going to work through that. So to all of us, I say, uh, take your place in, in God's army and join the war. We've been talking about the war a lot in the last few weeks. We, it always keeps popping up. Get involved. Get in. Join in. Um, so in closing, I'm going to read the Great Commission. Um, so we're going to go to Matthew. 28. Um, uh, 16 through 29. I have to keep putting my glasses up. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching, to observe, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One thing we have to remember when we're, we're serving the Lord um, is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So we're, we're, we're serving the man who uh, is above everything else. He's above government. He's above um, world systems. He's above Satan. He's above all of it. And when we go, we go in his name and we go with his power. doesn't matter how it turns out. That's, where, that's why we have the authority to go and that's, why, that's what gives us our our courage to do it is that we're serving him we wouldn't do these things on our own not really I mean so when you're going and you're, and you're approaching someone remember all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me to Jesus the one that you're representing um, and remember it's a command not a suggestion God doesn't suggest that we tell the people about him he commands it we're, that's, that's our that's our job. Um, so go out and talk to someone about Jesus this week. In every, whatever way that uh, God presents. You can do it by phone, in person, writing. I keep saying writing because I like to write. So it's a lot easier to write to people than to talk to them sometimes. Some of the least in my, our best uh, conversations are over um, when we text. <laughs> so... Um, um. It could be someone you've never met or someone that you're, you've known your whole life. Uh, and God will provide the opportunity. You just have to take the first step. And remember that God will not leave you alone as you work. Um, and I wrote that because I would really love to see all of us do that this week. It could be someone that you've known forever. It could be someone that you walk into Dunkin' Donuts. Just, uh, it's good for us to take the step. We need to. It's like anything else. We need to exercise it. We need to work on it. And it, and it isn't easy. It's hard. Um, it, it's scary. But remember, you're not alone when you do it. Um, 
So uh, be nice. Come back next week and, and tell everybody about who you talked to. You know, you got homework. I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> um, and if anybody wants to talk about this or pray about it, um, the elders are available. I'm available. Whoever you trust is available. Um, so this is, you know, this is just, uh, it was more, I think, more of a um, encouragement than anything um, for us to keep serving, keep working, uh, and remember that we're not doing it out of ourselves. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. You don't have to worry about convincing people. Um, it's just God's going to do the work. He just wants you to take the first step. Um, and I wrote something else down here that I wanted to say um, and keep in mind that the relaxed structure of the church compared to a lot of other churches, um, it gives us freedom to minister. Um, it's not because ministry isn't a priority. It's designed to allow you to use your gifts. Um, it's designed to allow you to, um, to minister the way God has showed you to minister. So, so don't... I know there are a lot of things that, that aren't pushed here like they are in some places, but there's a reason for that. That's that God is working. Not man taking everything and, and turning it into a project or a program. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there that it's, it's very important that every one of us is, is serving all the time. So, or however God asks us to. Um, all right. Awesome. So let's let's pray, and then uh, we'll have some music. Father, uh, help us to take the scriptures we've heard and to keep them in our hearts and use them as an encouragement as we're out serving you and, and speaking to others about you, and help it to to inspire us to, uh, to work through the things we fear, to work through the idea that we may not be good enough to minister or serve. Help us to remember we are. <coughs> Give us the, uh, the courage to do that, Lord. And we ask for the, uh, the anointing and the, the, the guiding of your Holy Spirit this week in all that we do. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.